going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. A very happy Friday. First and foremost, a big thank you to everyone taking part in jamming the phone lines with all kinds of topics for the Friday free-for-all. It's really nice uh, to get a wide variety of topics. Sometimes we get nailed down on one thing, and other times we get a whole lot of everything. So it's great to hear on that front. Looking forward to doing that again. Provincial election will be, of course, the topic du jour as we kind of do a post-game analysis, so to speak, uh, about last night's leadership race. Less about the race, though, and more about the issues. And the Friday Fact Check is back with Emily Mertz. We'll check in with her after 5 o'clock to talk about equalization payments. A lot of people talking about that and whether or not we can get our fair share back or not. Well, it might not be as easy as, hey, just cut us a check. And Heritage Park has a big weekend coming up, and I wanted to chat and see what is going down as they get ready for what is always a busy time of the year uh, over at Heritage Park. So Barb Monroe will join us after 5.30 and shed a little light there. But we're going to start things off talking YYC matters. You heard a little bit of a snippet there with Haley in the news surrounding the mayor releasing the results today, talking about how it was kind of good, the bad, the ugly. There was a little bit of everything in his books and joining us now to talk a little bit more about that mayor nenshi thanks so much for the time today thank you it's great to talk to you uh, let's talk first and foremost about the uh responses that you received from the parties what did you like and what did you not like about what you saw well i was super happy to get those responses it was a really tough detailed survey and you know i've been a i am a politician i've run for office and i know sometimes these surveys are tough and so we got really good responses, really detailed responses from four parties. We got a short statement from the Greens. So that was all very good. Um, in terms of what we saw, kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. The good was that on some really formerly contentious issues like the Springbank Dam, like the Green Line, the parties all seem to be aligned. They're all going to continue the funding. They're all going to build those things. There's a couple of small loopholes politicians speak in there that make me nervous and I'd like to clear them. But by and large, everyone seems pretty well aligned on that. So that's good. The bad is there were a couple of areas where they just, they either had bad answers. The liberals had a bad answer, for example, on 911. Everyone had a bad answer on cannabis uh, and sharing cannabis revenues uh, with the city. Uh, But really, the issue there was on a lot of issues that are really important for the city, the parties just didn't know. You know, there's, an issue, there's a big issue around the hotel tax and how we can support tourism better. And a lot of the parties just said, well, this is news to us. You know, my colleague, Councillor DeMond, has been talking a lot about something called extended producer responsibility, which means that we don't have to pay twice as we do now for our recycling and we can reduce or remove blue cart fees. Other provinces have done it. And they just didn't even know about it. Even the NDP or the government didn't really, wasn't very committal on a no-brainer thing like that. So it was disappointing that they didn't know much about the city issues. But I'll tell you what the ugly is. And the ugly is that where the economy is in Calgary, what's going on in this city, really none of them had a Calgary-targeted, Calgary-specific plan for how we're going to get into recovery and how we're going to support people who've been badly hit by the economy, whether those are individuals or small businesses. And I was disappointed in that. I, I would have thought that with a lot of times prepared, they would have answers to questions like, how do we help those businesses that are really seeing their property taxes go up because of the shift in the assessment for the downtown? How can we attract more foreign investments 
to Calgary. I would have liked to have seen a lot more of that. Which is kind of surprising in a sense because is this not regarded as uh, sort of ground zero for this election debate? You'd think that the parties would be spending more time trying to win over the voters here. Well, they're spending a ton of time here, which I appreciate. And certainly the government before the elections made a lot of promises here, like about Deerfoot Trail and things like that, which are great and things that we need. Um, but, you know, although they're spending a ton of time here, they haven't seemed to really grapple with the very specific issues facing Calgary, facing jobs in downtown Calgary as much as I would like. You know, there was a, there was a point in the debate last night where the Premier was saying that her oil-by-rail oil uh, leasing the cars plan, a plan that a lot of the energy industry supports, um, is really about downtown Calgary jobs. And the response from Mr. Kenny was, well, you know all about killing downtown Calgary jobs. But he didn't really highlight the fact that this plan was created by government and industry because there was a problem with oil-by-rail. And if you cancel it, then how's that oil going to get anywhere? And what's that going to do to jobs in downtown Calgary? Whether he's right or wrong, we deserve a proper conversation on that. Is that a challenge that we're having, is a lack of conversation uh, at an intergovernmental level? I know in talking to the Chamber and others, is that it seems like there, especially when it comes to downtown and getting businesses here, and that is that goalposts seem to be moving from different levels of government, and so nobody's really talking or singing from the same songbook. I really feel like we're all by ourselves here, Joe. You know, when we look at the need to bring investment into Calgary and into downtown Calgary. We're, we're the smallest of the three governments, but we found $100 million to put in, and none of the other governments have put in a penny to help us attract investment. When we look at the issue with the property tax rates for the small businesses outside of the downtown core, we're the only ones doing anything about it. You know, the province charges property tax too, right? And we're not seeing any of the parties saying, well, why don't we have a property tax holiday? It's just all on the city to solve these problems, and we're the ones with the least fiscal capacity to do it, which I find very difficult. Mm, how do you get above that and get over that stumbling block that we seem to be on, especially given that we're we're in the midst of two election cycles? We have a provincial election coming up, but we'll also have a federal election coming up in the fall. Well, you know, I've been working my buttons off, really trying to tell the story of Calgary to these parties, to these other governments, but they also have to be willing to listen and willing to be creative. So we gave them options, you know, match our funding for the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund, give a property tax rebate to those small businesses like we're doing, and, or give us your other options. And it was just tough because they really weren't there. And, you know, part of it is us too, right, as voters, as citizens, even as the media, right, you know, to not put too fine a point on it. We've just sort of allowed ourselves to have this assumption that one party is the party of the economy and the other party is the party of the environment. We haven't really done any work digging more deeply into what are you going to do to help that dry cleaner, you know, in mission who's suffering right now. And, you know, bluntly, we got 45 minutes to have a debate on how much white supremacy is too much. By the way, the answer is any white supremacy is too much. But we're not focusing our conversation on these real issues about how, okay, cutting corporate taxes, maybe you believe in the last curve, maybe you believe that that will result in business investment, but how is that going to help that dry cleaner stay in business? Mr. Mayor, I wanted to ask about the idea, you've talked a lot about the, the fiscal policies and you talked about downtown core, but I wonder about community building and whether you're getting that sense of, or you're happy with the responses that you got back on issues such as education and healthcare and those things that are uh, paramount to building a community. 
You know, on the real physical stuff, on building the green line, on building the spring bank dam, you know, yeah, they were, you know, I, I can't fault them, right? They, they're saying, yeah, that's important. But this, I don't want to say it's softer because it's actually hard-nosed economic development, but this real stuff around community and how we build community and how we buck the worldwide trend towards division that's ruining economies all over the place. And I want to hear more about that. As a voter, I want to hear more about that. You know, I think every single Albertan can agree on three basic things. People should have decent jobs. We should look after the environment for ourselves and our kids and our grandkids. And everyone who is here, regardless of their background or their beliefs, should be able to live a life of dignity and be treated equally. And if we believe in those three things, why are we fighting about those three things? Everyone believes in them. Mm -hmm. So let's actually figure out in the plan... How do we solve those problems and who has the best plan to do that? And, you know, there's even in the in the survey, there was a bunch of bickering, you know, to pick on the UCP for just for a second. You know, they didn't they actually don't understand how the city of Calgary's budget works. And they're sort of repeating Calgary Sun talking points, even in their results to YYC Matters. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you know, we're going to have this report card where Calgary will be compared to Tabor. Who, why are you spending money on that? <laughs> We've got the most transparent government in the country now. And, you know, maybe you need that to better understand your disabilities, but I don't think taxpayers should be paying for that. So those are the sorts of things that we need to be able to move into this more important conversation. But listen, long story short, everybody should vote. Vote for the person you believe in. But please educate yourself. Talk about it online. Talk about it with your friends at Tim Hortons about and family, about what you believe in and where the various parties stand. And I think that visiting yycmatters.ca, the results are up today, is a great tool for people to better educate themselves before they vote on the 16th. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, I'll end it there. Thank you so much for the time this afternoon. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thank you. Now, here's the the underlying issue that I'm, I'm curious about, and I've been on this mission to bring you the issues, is... It seems as though there's this this focus on jobs in the economy, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, that is the, the economic engine that is driving this province, or not driving it at the moment, it seems. But how do you, and we, it was a topic we touched on during the Friday free-for-all as well, is transit, for example, is do we put things on hold and wait for the next boom to happen? I'll use schools or hospitals or that kind of thing. Do you put things on hold until things start to look better? And even beyond that, as I mentioned with the mayor there, is there's a disconnect between all three levels of government right now. And I'd really, really like to see uh, once these elections all play out, everybody get back to the table and start talking about uh, how we're going to get the city back on track. That's That, to me, is priority number one. Scalgary Today on 770 CHQR. No shortage of topics to get to when it comes to the provincial election campaign, especially after last night's leadership debate. And one of the topics that came up, and I wish I would have grabbed some of the audio when it comes to the response to it, was all about equalization payments. Can you actually scrap them? What can you really do? It's time for the Friday Fact Check with Emily Mertz of Global News Online. Hello there, Emily. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, as always. Let's dive into this one, because this one, I have a feeling, was a bit of a hot-button one, given how the leaders were squabbling over this last night. Equalization, and what were you looking into first? So we'd heard a few different parties um, mention that they would like, if elected, to push Ottawa to either revise or to eliminate 
um, equalization, basically. So we were diving in to see whether Alberta, as one province, could either end or change this formula, this equalization formula, or equalization as a program entirely. Basically, what we found out is that one province would, it would be very difficult for one province to change the equalization structure simply because it's in the Constitution. And in order to amend the Constitution, there's a few steps you have to take, but ultimately you have to have both Houses of Parliament plus seven provincial legislatures agree to the amendment. And in this case, um, at least right now, more provinces receive transfer payments in the form of equalization than don't. So you'd have to be convincing the provinces that receive the payments, which right. would be tough. Uh, you, no doubt, especially if you're the one that's getting the check and not having to write it. And so what does that mean in terms of where each of the parties lay? Because even last night during the debate, Jason Kenney said, hey, we can we can at the very least open up the conversation in this a referendum on the idea, for example, uh, would set the wheels in motion on this. So is he mm. uh, t- puffing out his chest on this or is there something to be said about what he said? So yeah, we hear the referendum, you know, I would I would launch a constitutional referendum on this issue. So he referenced in the debate last night the Supreme Court's uh, succession reference. And that does state that in, if any member of the Confederation um, opposes uh, the existing Constitution or would like to amend some part of it, that obligates the rest of the provinces to negotiate uh, the changes and respond to that desire. Um, but it didn't say, you know, what form those negotiations must take, who has to participate, or uh, in what form those negotiations have to occur. So they could be at the minister's meeting, for instance. The other interesting thing is that that Supreme Court ruling doesn't say that you need a referendum in order to bring that um, debate or to launch those negotiations. However, Alberta's law does require that a constitutional amendment be subject to a provincial referendum. So I think what Kenny's saying is here is, you know, we want to make sure that we get the mandate from Albertans as a population, you know, that gives us strength, gives weight Mm -hmm. to our argument. But I think, you know, he'd still have a tough time campaigning from the Alberta standpoint to the uh, to the federal government. The better way to do it, the expert that I spoke to said, uh, Jared Wesley, was that elect a really strong Western Canadian contingent as MPs in Ottawa and revise the formula from there. Because it's not like Alberta can just stop paying equalization checks. It doesn't work that way. It's mm-hmm. part of the federal uh, treasury. It's federal taxes that we all pay. And a small percentage of that goes into equalization. Um, so, so you can't simply say we're not going to pay equalization anymore. It's up to the federal government to decide, you know, how that formula and how it's all calculated in terms of which provinces get it. It's, it's to ensure that uh, provinces that have trouble making money over a long period of time um, aren't saddling their citizens with either below, well, well below average uh, public services or, on the other hand, super high taxation. Right. And beyond that becomes the argument of, okay, even if you do get the referendum, and I have the feeling, just generally speaking, that uh, Albertans would be all for saying, you know, checking a yes beside, hey, let's talk about this. But at the end of the day, how much weight does one province carry going into that uh, discussion that, yeah, you can negotiate, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win that negotiation. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's why he that's why um, Professor Wesley said that it's it's a better idea to elect, you know, in, in the fall, we have a federal election, we'll elect a strong, um, maybe some MPs that have this as an important issue in their agenda. And it was interesting because in the debate, they also brought up that Jason Kenney was actually part of that strong Western uh, Canadian contingent in Ottawa in 2014, when the last revision to equalization and these transfer payments, um, health, there's also two transfer payments, health transfers and um, social transfers, uh, and those revisions actually did benefit Alberta. Alberta got about $1 billion uh, for a health transfer after that, that revision was made. Um, so it's interesting, they, other politicians did call out, you know, you were part of this group mm-hmm. that made changes, why do you have such a problem with it now? Right, interesting stuff. If you want to get uh, one of your story or your one of your ideas out there, you can email Emily at factcheck at globalnews.ca. A great series you can go to on our website for more. Emily, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks again. Global News online reporter Emily Mertz with the Friday Fact Check on Yes, This is Friday. A uh, big anniversary coming up tomorrow or to be celebrated tomorrow over at Heritage Park. Barb Monroe from the park joining us now. Hi there, Barbara. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Well, hello. How are you? Fantastic. And it's going to be a fantastic weekend, I think, over at Heritage Park as well. A pretty big weekend in store for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We are celebrating the 10th anniversary of our expansion. Uh, <laughs> Gasoline Alley Museum, Hasking Mercantile Block, the Selkirk Grill Restaurant, the Railway Cafe, the Bissett Wetlands. Uh, there's a, a huge new area here at Heritage Park. I guess it's not new now. Uh, it's our 10th anniversary. Um, it still feels new to us, though, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, talk a little bit about that 10 years, because it feels like time just flies. I remember actually being the reporter or covering the the expansion when it when it was first launched i mean you guys have even come a long way since then yeah, you know, it really changed the face of Heritage Park. So it, it took us from being a seasonal attraction to a year-round operation. It allowed us to um, grow our school programs. It allowed us to add some adult education. We have this great year-round dining now. Of course, we have the beautiful Gasoline Alley Museum. Um, and, you know, we've hosted so many events and weddings and parties and and you know, great functions and and stuff in that museum. So many people have come through there. We've done some great exhibits in there as well. We had the Cars of the Big and Small Screen exhibit in there. We had a motorcycle exhibit. And it's just really added so much to the park. It it also let us extend our timeline as well. So Heritage Park used to uh, cover 1860 all the way to 1910. And now with the addition of the museum and this whole front area, you know, now we're sort of focused on the 1930s uh, all the way to the 1950s, if you include some of the vehicles in the museum. So it's it's really been a spectacular addition. And this 10th anniversary just kind of snuck up on us. And so here we are, and we're going to celebrate... Uh, tomorrow with all sorts of activities. Well, and the fun part about it, too, is that you get to kind of take a look back in time and see where we've come from and kind of get a glimpse into where maybe we we might be going in the future. And I wonder from that standpoint is what is in store going into this summer for Heritage Park? Because I know there's been a lot of a lot of talk, whether it's in the, the news cycle or just about the, you know, the day to day operations, getting things uh, rocking for the for the summer season and the, the travel season and the staycation. 
vacation season. Yeah, we're really optimistic for this summer. So, you know, you're right. Last year uh, was not a was not a stellar year. Uh, we had combination of um, not being able to have our boat out on the water. We had some really smoky days. Um, just a, a lot of things, you know, weren't weren't great. Um, but we are looking forward to a great summer this year. So, the big news is that our boat is back. Mm-hmm. So we're very excited about that. Um, we took the opportunity last year with uh, the Moy being out of the water to do some repair work on it. So we did um, some structural repair work to the hull, um, some woodwork, new flooring, new paint job. It is beautiful. It is shiny. It looks new. And we are very excited to be putting that back in the water for our opening weekend on May 18th. Looking forward and, to that one. Yeah, that's that's the big exciting one for us. And you were talking about, you know, opportunity looking looking back and looking to the future, and that sort of touches on uh, another exhibit that we're working on here at the park, which we're hoping to hoping to open uh, a little bit of this summer, and then the rest of it uh, for next season. But that is our natural resource area. And so this is an area that really focuses on Alberta's natural resources, uh, past, present, and future, Mm -hmm. which is something that we've never really touched on before here, being a historical village. It's one of those things, too, that it it allows people to uh, get a better understanding of of what has happened in the past, because uh, the big thing that I think a lot of people kind of take for granted, maybe, is this province does have that rich history and, and something to, it's something to behold. Absolutely, absolutely. And and with this natural resource area, you know, we are focusing on, on the past. So we're, you know, we're talking about Alberta's coal history. We're talking about Alberta's oil history. And then um, we're going to have this beautiful new building that really kind of focuses on our, our current resources. So we're going to be talking about solar power and wind and water power and then within that building uh, you can also look to the future so we'll have these VR headsets where you can look at you know the future of autonomous cars and and kind of have that that look of where we're going but it is important to have that uh, reference to the past as well because that really plays an important role in in where we are today and where we are going into the future and speaking of going into the future VR Come on now, really? Yeah. <laughs> VR at Heritage Park. Whoever would have thought? Oh man, oh man. The, we were. I was actually having a conversation earlier today about uh, about how technology has come leaps and bounds, and I can go on a whole different ta- uh, tangent on that front. We'll save that one for another time, Barb. Uh, looking forward to uh, what you guys have in store this weekend, and of course, all season long. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.